Podcast. I'm in Max, 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 Pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon. Why, hello, and welcome to Season 25, Episode 13 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. This is Tappy. And Tomes. And uh, Tomes is joining us again. Thank you. Appreciate it. In this episode of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast, Axel from the UK writes in about the merits of failure. Hive Mind has discovered the joys of non-hippie gaming. Um, that's my own editorializing. Um, <laughs> Greg in Virginia Beach sends a horror story, and then another horror story dealing with the first one. I don't want to spoil it. But first, if you'd like to email us, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. We're on uh, the social medias. We're on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and MeWe, Happy Jacks RPG, all one word. That's Happy Jacks RPG, all one word. And we have a forum, mm-hmm. happyjacksforum.com. That's happyjacksforum.com. If you'd like to watch the show live, we stream it at 7.03 p.m. Pacific Time at happyjacks.org slash live. That's happyjacks.org slash live on Friday nights, 7.03 p.m. Pacific Time. Uh, and yeah, and then we have a game convention coming up President's Day weekend in February at the beautiful Hilton LAX Hotel. Of course we do. Yes. <laughs> I saw. Oh, I, I totally remember that. I didn't book I can't need to remember to book a room. <laughs> I keep forgetting. All right. You book before they even do the like the deal and stuff. I usually right? do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. You remember the? Um, I told you about the Airbnb I booked. That the air conditioning broke. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to do that again. Uh, <laughs> I'm probably going to get a hotel. Well, in February it may not be so bad. Not have AC. <laughs> yeah, but well, I'm not going to book the exact same one. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the private fixed it. Stuck on. You walk inside, it's 50 degrees. <laughs> Well, also that it was held in by a cardboard box that was put in the window. Like, the window had to glass out, and so there's the window AC that wasn't attached to anything. Just plugged in with a cardboard box just wedged kind of balanced it. there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm convinced Airbnb doesn't work for our con. Because, like, I don't know, like, Loki has come twice. And, like, every time he comes and does an Airbnb, there's just horror stories. So, I don't know. Well... Some of the cities around LAX hmm. are not the nicest places in the world. <laughs> mm. I suppose if you're trying to save money from the already not super crazy expensive hotel, that is just then you're you're looking at the cheaper rates. Uh, uh, yeah, right, mm. right. You're, and you're mm. going to get them. <laughs> <laughs> They're cheap for a reason. Right, but I they mean, they do come with good stories. You got to talk to Lokio about his last. Yeah. Uh, oh, I haven't heard. I haven't heard. Oh, any yeah, stories about uh, unlicensed like hotels. Kind Turns of. out, um, not always the best idea. I've always had good luck with Airbnb. Yeah. Bill, Bill and I stayed at an Airbnb when we went to Gen Con three years, two or three years ago, whenever it was, not 2017. It was owned by a woman who was a state representative, and it was the condo that she used when when the legislature was in session. Oh. And then she lived wherever her, her district was. So during when it wasn't in session, she used it as an Airbnb, and that was really nice. Mm-hmm. I mean, they left us breakfast food. They left us a pound of bacon and a dozen eggs and a loaf of bread and asked what kind of beer we liked. And chili. No, no chili. No, no, chili. <laughs> no. But, but I mean, she stocked the refrigerator for us. Nice. And said, what, what kind of, she, she asked Bill, what kind of beer do you want? And she says, whatever like, sort of local brews you have, because that's what we, we're beer snobs. Okay. And we had some lovely 
local beers, and we had food for breakfast every morning. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. And then I, the other, I've only stayed in two. The other one was in uh, Sugarloaf, which is oh the little city sort of south east of Big Bear. Yeah, I know Sugarloaf. And, and they have all the skiing. And yeah, right. Well, it was in that we we went there in August. Yeah, right. But it was before the kids started school, and uh, it was nice. It was well, those nice are both place. nice areas, though, too. Well, Sugarloaf is kind of a kind of a sketchy place. Hmm. It's it's. Have you been up there lately? Well, mm, not in a long time, but I mean, you have a lot of like tourist money going into it. Yes, absolutely. And mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, Big Bear. That's where the money is in Big Bear. But Sugarloaf is like the inexpensive place to live up there. Mm-hmm. Um, there now, there's one area where they're building McMansions, and it's like literally, it's the weirdest thing in the world. Oh my god! You're gosh. driving through this this mountain f- forest town, and all of a sudden, there's there's a subdivision of I don't know if people have McMansions in other parts of the country, but here space is at a premium, so they build these enormous. 2,500, 3,000 square foot homes, two that, stories. That are, there's two, and there's two designs. Yes. One each right next to each other. And they they come in one shade of beige. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Taupe, I believe it, it yes. might be. And you could literally stand between the houses <laughs> and hold your hands like this and touch both walls. I mean, there's literally barely enough room to get your trash cans through, right? Um, it, it, yeah, it's strangest thing. But then you go past that, then you get to actual Sugarloaf proper, and you're, it's like you're in the, kind of in the Thule's. I mean, there's, some characters up there. People paint their houses that they whatever color they want, and there's some people have like these weird sculptures in the front of their houses. That what's that? Um, the, Hello, Hello, the Hello Kitty place in the, Sanrio. Yeah, the, the, isn't there like an amusement park? Sanrio Pearland. It is the ent- entertainment extravaganza of a scale I cannot adequately describe to you. It's. One of the best places I've ever been. Okay, <laughs> this is what I would it's imagine amazing. it would look like if they didn't have a budget. <laughs> that's what that's what some of these places look like. It was a lot. Oh my of, god, I have to go there. A lot of character, but um, but I mean that sounds like my jam. Right. It, it was. I I, I, w- I thought about mo- that would be my exit strategy. My my retirement mm-hmm. would be to sell my house and move. To a little mountain village, and I'm like, I don't know, I don't know if I want to do that. First off, it's expensive. Yeah. I mean, the houses aren't, mm-hmm. but grocery bill. Who? Mm-hmm. I went to Avon's, and I bought like enough food to make because I had a couple things we forgot, and I don't know, not much, like two grocery bags worth of food, and it was like ninety five dollars, and I did not buy expensive stuff. I mean, down here it would have been like thirty. Mm-hmm. But yeah, everything up there, there's a premium because you got to put it on a truck and haul it up that hill. Can you hunt squirrel? I don't know how to dress a squirrel. Well, we're going to learn. I would have to learn. Yeah. Yes. And they're little. They're little and yeah. fast. It'd be yeah, hard yeah. to hit. In, in other words, you would become one of these characters after some short <laughs> Right. Got it. It, it. it happens real fast. Let <laughs> me tell you Probably. something. I just figured you'd a little cabin, write yeah. my manifestos. Yeah, and before you know it, you're a naked guy with a gun defending trash. <laughs> and it took me four months to do that. <laughs> All right. The merits of failure from Axel in the UK. Some of the most important RPG moments didn't come from final battles or great endings to long-running campaigns, but from epic failures. Exclamation point. Uh, often from epic failures. Mm. Often this does not did not look like fun at the time, but in hindsight, failures made the game so much more exciting. For example, there was an attempt to sneak up on a bunch of bad boss guys, uh, where the character not only failed the sneaky part, but also tripped, fell, and broke his arm. The party was discovered, hurt, and captured. 
Another time, a low-level fighter PC had a friendly practice duel against an important NPC knight in full plate armor, um, where a succession of weird die rolls in a crunchy system allowed the NPC, uh, resulted in the NPC accidentally getting stabbed in the eye and killed on the spot. All kinds of confusion ensued. Some failures have become no mere hedge mage type stories for our group of friends, with many more a nostalgic retelling. Just for those new listeners out there, the no mere hedge mage story happened in a D&D 5th edition mm-hmm. campaign I ran. and Because um, you couldn't kill him in 4th. No. Yeah. <laughs> but it's hard to kill him in 5th, too. But they finally got to the level where I figured they could p- take on a mage who, who had fireball. Right? Mm-hmm. It wouldn't, like, just wipe the party. Mm-hmm. So the, the, he and he had help. He had like some minions and some other stuff. And I had made the mistake of giving the party uh, two rhinoceroses, which they rode. <laughs> of course, they, you did. They got them from orcs. Um, <laughs> and he, they, they were stopped on the. Uh, he stopped them on the road, and they bantered back and forth. And he said, "I am no mere hedge mage." And then we rolled for initiative. And he roll, I rolled like a three for his initiative. And everyone in the party rolled much higher than that. And before he even got a chance to take a spell off, they had killed not only him, but almost all of the minions <laughs> in a single turn. So from that, from that point on, they were not afeard of no mere hedge mages. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I'm advocating failure. Misses, botches, non-successes, storked rolls, things going horribly wrong... A succeed at a cost mechanism can generate great complications by adding a failure component to success, a perfect tool to keep things interesting. However, I see a tendency of the, a tendency of succeed at a cost being overused in many games in an attempt at quote-unquote winning. The old nope, you can't do it can be frustrating to players and modern, of course I can, I can just about do it. Now let's figure out what cost we can agree on can be frustrating to GMs. In some systems, fate being the most prominent example, failing has become somewhat optional. Succession of A succession of succeed at a major cost should result in the players having painted themselves into a corner that will be really difficult to get out of, but since most GMs don't want, or, or most GMs want to avoid a TPK, so the players will, of course, will often survive. So instead of failures creating new problems, succeeding at a cost leads to winning against all odds. In more traditional, in quotes, games, uh, the PCs would have never gotten that far and ended up in a less serious mess after the first failed roll. So call me old-fashioned, but let them fail. I generally prefer the nope, try something else to the constant yes, but. Succeed at a cost is great, but not each and every time. Also, it's hard to be creative and come up with fun complications to simple actions that happen frequently. I've had that experience myself. Um, what do you think? Looking forward to your insights. Axel from the UK. I've got thoughts. Go ahead. Me too. Go. All right. So, uh, I mean, first of all, I know a lot of us are <laughs> a little bit older and, <laughs> and grew up during an age where RPGs were there, but like video games weren't really, right? right. And I think one of the things that I definitely remember growing up with is like how it satisfies that itch of being able to do like tactical combat, like kind of like the war gamey part of yeah. RPGs and all that kind of thing. And with a lot of that, like you 
you have to use kind of like your war gamey wits or like your knowledge of the game mm-hmm. to kind of you know excel, right? And so yeah, if you're not going to be smart about it, whatever smart means for that game, then you're not going to get that far, right? And I mean, there's always the randomizers and all that stuff as well. But I think like there's a lot of I, I don't see a problem one with with players not wanting to fail. Like let's say people want to play that hero game. I mean, that's kind of what D&D sometimes does. Yeah. Like especially if you're talking about like AL and like Adventure League and that kind of thing. It's supposed to foster that like we're heroes and we're going on a long journey thing, right? I'm so glad you made sure we knew it was Adventure League. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, for for those viewers at home that I'm sure uh, are lost. But um uh yeah. <laughs> There's, um, I thought you meant American League. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, <laughs> fuck DH. <laughs> yeah. There's so many like kind of things that can scratch different itches, right? So like, there's a lot of board games now, like you know, Haunted House on the Hill or all that kind of bullshit, where you can get those different experiences where you may or may not succeed, or those collaborative games like Pandemic or whatever, right? Oh, yeah. And so it's the same kind of thing with RPGs. I think there's this wide spectrum of like the different difficulty levels you want, and some of that's based on the game, and some of that's based on the person running the game. And, I mean, I'm totally down for learning how to fail. I think it's really important for, for players over the course of their experience to try, to try that and see how it feels and if they enjoy it or not. And there's going to be some gamers who don't, right? Oh, sure. But, like, some of these games, uh, like, not just incentivize it, but there's, like, games built around it, right? So you've got, like, your tragic horror games like Ten Candles, or even things like Dread, where you know that tower's going to fall and somebody's going to get fucked, maybe a couple of times, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, I, I, I think, I, I think there's, there's something to be said, like, yes, failure's good, but there's also that part where it's like, do the players want to do it or not? Like, I mean, I know my kind of players that I game with regularly are totally down for, you know, self-sabotaging, like, saying a good story, or, like, being open to the... The randomness, like, will we succeed or fail at this thing? Like, that's part of the excitement of rolling the dice, right? We don't roll the dice for no reason. We roll it when it's going to have some kind of cool outcome, right? right. And then we're going to roll with it, right? Um, but, you know, some players don't seem to handle that kind of as well, or they might be newer, or they might not be as interested in exploring <coughs> that thing. Um, and so I think it can go all sorts of different ways. I mean... I'll, I'll open the floor. There's a couple things I want to talk about in regards to specific systems that do this really cool. Okay. But um, I'm happy to, like, no, show no, for a second. Go ahead. All right. Cool. Good Society. Have you guys heard of this game? Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the, uh, like, Jane Austen RPG type game. One of the things that it does so exceedingly well is it has these tokens, right? Uh, resolve tokens. And one of the ways that it's used, it's not a game with dice, and there isn't this kind of like rolling to see what happens. Instead, during a situation, like I as a player might be like, ooh, I want to see your character fail, or I want to see my own character fail. Like, I'm basically going to pay for that, right? <coughs> like, I want to see Tappy's, you know, Tappy's little debutante, like, trip on her dress, like, walking into the place, because it's going to be really embarrassing, you know, with the scene that we'd set up, especially because she's trying to look so cool in front of this, you know, whoever, and I can, I'll pay you to do that, right? Now, whether you take that token or not, that's up to you. Mm-hmm. So there's still some control here as the player and as the character. Maybe you have something better in mind, but... I can kind of like pay you off to do that failure and then you get this kind of resource that you can then spend later on to do one thing or another, right? Um, there's another game I played recently called Dream Askew, right? And it's uh, like a PBTA post-apocalyptic game 
but it's also like like GMless. So like the GM authority stuff's been shared around the table, but again, it does this thing where you're not rolling dice to succeed or get the middle result or kind of get the weak result. Instead, you make your character get the weak result, you get a token, right? You later want to spend a token to get that strong result, you do that. And that's simplifying it. Like you can also like like buy off other people's weak results and things like that. So both of these games are are kind of playing with how do we tell an enjoyable story together, but by kind of like helping each other spend this like failures and you know successes and things like that. Hmm. And so I mean, I, there's so many games out now that like you can really play with the spectrum of how much do you want to fail or not fail, right? It, wow, it, that's so hippie. I think I got a contact high. Woo! <laughs> 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 I, I think a lot of these games are trying to sort of create an economy to emulate the hero's journey. Because the hero's journey is not success, 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 success. I can't, I can't talk. But, I mean, there's there's successes and setbacks and successes and setbacks. And and to me, at least, those setbacks make those those successes it makes so the much story. sweeter. It's so great. Right. Like, that's that's the reason we watch these movies and stuff, right? Is because we're watching them try to succeed. But there's those, yeah, those setbacks. Right. I, I think, though, when you start talking about failure in this context of, mm-hmm. like, story, and we're telling a great story together, we start to lose a lot of some of the, like one person playing a role of one character that a lot of like tri- more traditional RPGs are doing. I, I and, you know, um, so I think if we start losing ourselves in what does fail mean, how can we have failed to become a good story, we actually kind of lose what we're actually talking about Ooh, here. Someone called, called a, a lot of the, the more modern RPGs almost like a television writer's simulation. <laughs> I mean, right, it's, it's people, a writing people room. even use the word writer's room now uh, in game. Like I oh, hear really? that in the in that space a lot. Like, mm-hmm. oh, we're gonna writer's room this, and right. then that means we're gonna sit down, do the little chat, and like set it up. And you know, sometimes that works fabulously. Sometimes it's it's very yeah. metagamey, and if you're not looking for that kind of experience, right? Might not I be mean, like there are some people really like that that type of game. I have found for myself that I find that type of game less satisfying than taking on a role and having somebody like give a story that I can interact with or, or a world that I can interact with. Um, but with that being said, like one of the things that I think we get used to when you say like old RPGs or like video games and stuff, we get used to this idea that there's this sliding scale of difficulty. And every easy action should be like a five. And you can try anything you want, but it might be 100, which mm-hmm. means you definitely are not going to hit that DC or target number or whatever. Um, but that doesn't work in all games anymore. That doesn't work in, in PBTA. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have minuses. If you can roll, like in, in Apocalypse World, if you can roll to uh, act under fire, like to sneak up on somebody, and the fire is him finding you. Um, if you can roll, then you, you can always have a chance. So I have two thoughts on this because I've heard this before, and I know even like recently, I think there yeah. was a, um, a comment that you made, like maybe in the last week or two, um, about how you know we're talking about like simulation versus uh, like PBTA games. And you're absolutely right. If you give the the players the dice, they're going to have a chance of success regardless. Right. But the question is, what are the stakes, and are you even going to give them the dice in the first place? Yes, that's exactly what I'm talking about yeah. here. Um, is that when he was like, nope, try something else. Like, one of 
a game that I'm starting right now with Kimmy running it is Masks. Yeah. And one of the cool things about Masks is you get these abilities, these super powered abilities. That is just a description, like you have telekinesis. But it allows you to pick up the dice and roll <coughs> to do telekinesis stuff. If you didn't have telekinesis, you couldn't do. Yeah. And I think that is a great example of the reverse of it. Like, uh, there's a situation where uh, I was playing a one-shot where I was I wanted to sneak up on somebody who was in a restaurant. And the GM should have said, nah, he'll see you. But instead, he goes, oh, hey, go ahead and roll. Why well, rolled a success. <coughs> yeah. And then, uh, well, he sees you and moves away. Right. Uh, okay, now that's dirty pool. Yeah, yeah. That's dirty pool. So what we need to have well, here... Well, that's one of those situations where in hindsight the GM probably goes, yeah, I probably shouldn't have had him roll. Well, right. And one of the beautiful things about masks, for example, is you have these high-powered things, and you can always roll, but that's because your high-powered thing can go so horribly wrong all the time because you're a kid and you don't know how to control it, and, right? And, and so that's what's great about those <coughs> rolls is the stakes are high. And like, so there's games like, like Dungeon World, for example, and like you can play that game and you can play it where it doesn't feel too hard to do things because unlike a simulationist game, if you're always given a chance to roll, you kind of almost might succeed even in tasks that might seem out of your wheelhouse <coughs> or a little bit hard. That's actually why I kind of dislike Dungeon World. But, I don't think it works. But I've played Dungeon World and it's been fantastic because the GM will be like, oh, you want to do that thing? Sure. Roll like death's door. Like they don't even give me the chance. Like, like I had a friend who was like, "I'm a cleric. I have what's a high wisdom." So let me tell you, I have a high wisdom. I'm going to sit there and I'm going to try to will that rock from crushing me. Like it's rolling down the hill and I'm going to will it out of my way. And he was like fucking with the game mechanics. Like he basically wants to roll like a defy danger plus wisdom and see how two dice can easily make him avoid a boulder. But the 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 proper way to answer that is for the GM to go, <laughs> oh, just r- give me a death roll, basically. It's a death save. That's okay. what you're doing, right? right? So, like, if you're going to sit there and try to will that thing out of your way, you can do that. And now you can roll to see if you die or just get horribly maimed, right? Those are the stakes that you've just, like, mm-hmm. opened yourself okay. up to, right? Unless you can give, like, the other players an opportunity to, like, hey, your idiot friend is standing there in front of a boulder. What do you do? Now you're putting them in harm's way right. if they want to save them. But, like, let him take his own life out, right? So, like, I think some of these games, they're not simulationist, and so they're not going to simulate, like, something reality, but it's kind of your job as the GM to then, you know, like, make it as real as possible. Uh, not, not saying it real as possible, but, like, as interesting as possible, okay. and not let people kind of, like, screw I, with the rules on that I one. think you're not quite getting what I'm saying here, I, I might because not, yeah. I'm not trying to be, like, that... That you should use, especially PPG, as like a simulationist situation. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. It's that when something like is possible and there's a reasonable chance for them to do it, and there's an interesting complication if there's a failure. Like all of those things have to stack up together sure. in order for you to want to put the dice for whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah. Um, which is, I think, separate. Like one of the things that he says is, um, it's hard to be creative and come up with fun complications to simple actions that happen frequently. Mm. Why roll? Yeah. Right. If they're simple actions that just just let them happen. Sure, you can do that. You, you can break down that door. Sure. And, and like, look, you're a first level thief and you're trying to get through the trap or two, get them, let them roll because it's not going to, you know, it'll be interesting. But right. once it gets to that point where they're just going through that, you know, dungeon and they're just let them do the thing. They're competent now, right? Mm-hmm. So you're letting them do it until it becomes interesting, right? Um, and honestly, like, when I, when I read this, I'm like, <coughs> yeah, like, 
like there's so many games where you can learn these tasks. I I obviously start pointing at hippie games because I love that shit. And because like sometimes they give you that experience you're not getting somewhere else. So having like if the the people are interested in playing those kind of games, there's there's ways to kind of train them into seeing different perspectives and seeing if they like it or not. They might not. Right. So like like the Final Girl is a game where you're playing like we all play a pool of characters in like a slasher flick movie and we're going to see them die one by one until there's a final character. We don't own any of those characters. And it can be so fun to see things fail and fail and fail and people die and all the funny story stuff that comes out of it or horrible story stuff and just experience that. And those are kind of games that you can play and see like are these people interested in that kind of thing? Mm. And it kind of gives them that experience and then, you know, I don't know. One of the one of the when I was when I first pre-read this, yeah. One of the things I started thinking of was a Call of Cthulhu game I'm running, and one of the criticisms that many people, myself included, have always had with the game is the fact that percentile dice are really swingy, mm-hmm. right? But in a situation where you're confronted with some horrible thing, having swingy dice dice rolls is a fantastic thing because you don't know. I mean, yeah, I got a skill of seventy, but. It's, it's still, I still. Who knows how that role is going to come out, right? And that's a shrug off there. So. Right? Yeah. And so, and so, <laughs> and I've noticed it in the game that when things start to go sideways, it's freaking fantastic having that really swingy, unpredictable role. Not having you know a bell curve like a three d six added or something like that, mm-hmm. or a, a dice pool where you where there, there's a skew towards a sort mm-hmm. of a median a median result. Right. I I I, I almost think that there's. I don't know if they intended it to be this way from the beginning. If they did, it's incredibly insightful. But I don't think they did. But I think there's wisdom in the fact that they've kept that dice mechanic the right. way it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've done some things to kind of ameliorate it a little bit, but sure. not a, not a lot. And it it's been a fabulous experience because of it. Because yeah. those failures, oh, sometimes they're fantastic. Yeah, players leave here a little shell shock. <laughs> <laughs> they also use that same mechanic in the old. I, I think it's different in the new 40k, but the old uh, 40k role playing game. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're playing like the uh, the Inquisitor, like the uh, henchman for the Inquisitor, I mean those dice roll go bad and your head explodes. I'm like, oh, <laughs> all right, cool. Uh, I was going through this really complicated character creation thing again. <laughs> That's yeah, if you can have awesome. a deadly game, you should have a pretty quick <laughs> character creation system. Um, <laughs> one thing that that I thought of when I was reading this um, is like the succeeded cost uh, being like as things are succeeded at a major cost is uh, extended actions in um, uh, uh, the the game that I just run the fucking game whatever the, will the darkness oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a game that I just Chronicles. Like, or Chronicles of Darkness, right. yeah. Uh, otherwise known as Call of Duty. Um, uh, you do extended action to see how long something takes. You can also apply that same things to success. How much bullshit, how much pain, how much hmm. shit do I have to give up in order to succeed? Right. You know, or you can just fail and not give <coughs> up any of that. You know, okay. You can you can try doing this uh, like sneaky thing, climb over the wall and stuff like that. Uh, are you willing for it to really really hurt, or are you just do you just want to get caught? It's up to you. You can put yourself at risk. You can put yourself in danger. Um, uh, that's kind of an interesting thing, uh, I think. Mm-hmm. 
especially against you can succeed, but you'll die. Right. <laughs> Which is a thing sometimes. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, it is. Um, All right, but yeah. All right, Axel, Axel from the UK. Thank you for the email. Uh, changing stances on RPGs and player communication triumph from Hivemind. Who would like to read that? Uh, I will read that. Hivemind. Howdy, Jackers. Uh, it's been a long time since I've written in or interacted with the Happy Jacks community. This is true. I'm still around, but between work and wrangling a two and a half year old, I don't have much energy left for gaming. I still, I do still manage once a month sessions with my home group as well as running once-a-month public one-shots at a local board game cafe. It's the latter that I'm writing about. At the end of August, I ran a one-shot at the yet-to-be-released Alien RPG by Freya Ligon. Uh, while skeptical when I first heard about it, i become a big fan of the game. I think it does a fantastic job of mechanizing suspense and te- tension, which are important in a survival horror game, and highly recommend it. Despite it not being a PBTA game. Amazing, right? How they have fallen. It gets worse. It gets worse. Playing and running the alien. (laughs) Way better. Uh, Playing and running the alien RPG has also changed my opinion a bit on both GM dice fudging and the use of a GM screen. (gasps) Until now, my stance on both has been an adamant don't. And that is the correct uh, stance. Okay. (laughs) Don't (laughs) fudge dice and don't use a GM screen. However, I found myself doing both during the alien one-shot. There are edge cases. (laughs) (laughs) Or edge games, apparently. Or or edge lord games. (laughs) 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 Um, Especially for a suspense horror game. Like, not knowing what the hell is going on is important. Uh, Non-human antagonists have a D6 chart to determine what they do on their turn. You don't have to follow it, but I do feel it helps speed things up and takes a bit of the burden off the GM. Early in the game I ran, a pair of PCs... Er, oh, early in the game I ran, a pair of PCs encountered something hostile in the reactor wor- room of a derelict ship. I rolled to see what the creature would do and got a result with a very high chance of crushing a PC's skull, killing them interesting. Yeah, instant. instantly. <laughs> While appropriate for a horror game... I didn't want to kill a character so early in the session. Fair enough. Uh, so I chose a less lethal attack from the list and completely whipped on the attack roll, but that's beside the point. Uh, I also hit the die roll to determine what the car- creature did behind <coughs> the hand. I had GM screen with me. There wasn't enough space on the table to set it up. I continued to do that for the rest of the game. Well, there is virtually no chance of the players remembering what die results triggered with which action, I felt it would affect the cinematic feel of the game, and so kept that die roll hidden. I did make attack and notice rolls out in the open, which I felt heightened player tension when I saw how many dice I got to roll. Nice. So, as I mentioned above, running the new Alien RPG has made me reevaluate my stances on a few GM practices. Have any of the hosts had a similar experience? Has a game you ran or played caused you to change your opinions on mechanics or habits? The Alien One-Shot also has a great example of what I'll call player triumph. 
Uh, and why it is important to communicate with everyone at the table. After dealing with whatever was in the reactor room, <coughs> one of the players stated their technician PC would begin repairing the ship's reactor. Uh, this was one of the goals the group had been given, but would take a long time to accomplish. I explained that repairing the reactor would take five to ten hours of, quote, in-game time, end quote, which would effectively sideline that character for the rest of the session, when you still had about two hours left. The player explained that while they wanted to keep playing, repairing the reactor was something their PC would absolutely do, and they could not think of a reason for their character to do something else. At this point, the player of the captain PC stepped up. They again clarified that the first player wanted to continue playing, and then ordered the technician PC to re- rejoin the rest of the group up on the bridge, which they, uh, which they did, and we continued the session. I thought this was a really great example of player communication reinforcing something you've all said on the podcast on numerous occasions. <laughs> sometimes you do things because it's what your character would do. Sometimes you do things because you want to see what happens. And sometimes you do things because we're sitting around the table playing a game. Playing a fucking game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <coughs> uh, thanks very much for reading my letter. I've tried to keep it short. Uh, and thanks for a decade of quality TTRPG entertainment. Here's to another ten years. Cheers. Thank you. High mind. Aka, Kristen Osaka. I think she was the one who wrote in about Lunch Viking, which is um, one of it's it's a buffet in Japan. It's called Lunch Viking because smorgasbord is difficult to say, (laughs) but smorgasbord comes from Scandinavia, where Vikings are. (laughs) Vikings are that. So yeah, this is this is uh, I think it's Lunch Viking. It's pronounced biking because that, and I was on a bike trip there when I first heard of it, and I'm like, why are they calling the buffet biking? Yeah. I couldn't understand why. <laughs> yeah. It took me like two years to figure that out. <laughs> the I gotta say, um, I I learned that being kind of an asshole GM when I'm running Call of Cthulhu is a, sort of an expectation. Yeah. At that when they when the players fail their sanity checks and they have the bouts of madness and they go running off insane, I I have not pulled punches. Mm-hmm. I, I I've had car- PCs unwittingly murder people or beat dogs and do all kinds of terrible things, and and the players are like kind of shell shocked by it. But it's it. I mean, yeah. That's that. That's what the game. That's what the game is. You know, I, I certainly wouldn't do that in a lot of other games, but mm-hmm. in, in that in that particular thing, I'm trying to be true to the true to the genre, and that's true to the genre. If you're yeah. running a four color like superheroes game, right? You're or, not. Or you're golden not. sky stories or something. Yeah, right. Then you're not. But like Alien, yeah. like a guy dies pretty early in that movie. Oh yeah. Yeah, but you I mean, don't want to kill people. But I can see, I can see why, right? Like, especially if you're doing th- these are not campaign games where okay, we'll spin somebody else up or whatever. These are like one shots, right? And like it, in the very beginning of the game, like killing somebody off like that. I that, don't know. This is why you have more crew than you have players, <laughs> right? <laughs> that I mean, that's great. Like, yeah. and th- I think thematically, if you're going in with this aliens game, like again, Zombie World does this. That just came out recently, and like, like. People die off like this, but you're not playing a character. You're playing the community, and you're temporarily mm. playing characters okay. until they die, <coughs> and then you spin up somebody else from the community. Okay. So it's kind of intended to do that, and I think if you played this that way, mm-hmm. that would work really well. Star Trek does that too. You mm. have a whole like extra oh, yeah. cast of characters, so that when you beam down <laughs> to the planet and you get and redshirted, you get redshirted. It's all good. Right. The uh, the uh, 
the, the, the only thing I wondered about was the, the one character wanting to stay and repair the reactor. Hmm. I wonder if you could... I'm assuming the reason that they didn't want to sit there for five to ten hours was because there was more stuff that had to happen. Well, it's, what it sounded like to me was, like, let's say that's your character and you decide to repair. The rest of us keep doing the quest and you're just, like, right. out of it. There's but can't, can't the quest come to the reactor room? That you, know what I, totally. you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. you could probably play well, with it. And like, also, have you guys ever tried to repair a generator? Just, like, a diesel generator? Yeah. Like... Well, a gas, but yeah. There's there's a lot that goes into it. Yes. Like, repairing a reactor, I think that's also a time when you could... I mean, it worked out fine, but you could be like, hey, man, this is like a two-month job with like a crew of five. Right. Unless you find that special widget that, oh, happens to be over there in like the bridge or something, right? Mm-hmm. Or whatever. Right, if you if you want it to end up happening. But, yeah. I mean, I think they handled it well. Like, yeah. that, that was actually... It was... That could have been like some players... Not horror story, but like shitty experience, oh, right? Sure. Where yeah. like now you get no spotlight and you don't get to play the game. So they figured out a way to do it. But yeah, there's there's methods, right? Or or in the alien RPG, when you die, you get an alien to control. <gasps> <laughs> the table slowly flips, and, into, and, the, oh and, God, and the game ends when the last player <laughs> character falls, and, and then they're all aliens. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, only the, only the cat survives. But oh, girl, how you fall in. That's the name of the game. Only the cat survives. Only the cat survives. Yeah, all right, I'm writing that down right now. We're going to make this J- game. Was that Jonesy? Yeah, Jonesy. Yeah. <laughs> Only Jonesy lives. <laughs> <laughs> then they always kill those characters off, like in the next sequel. I know. You find out Jonesy's just dead. Well, Jonesy you don't even a, get. Jonesy was a cat. Yeah, I mean, I know. Yeah. She, how long was she asleep? Too long. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if if the smooth brains can handle being asleep <laughs> for that long. Right? Or was Jonesy in the in the pod with her? Or I think so. she was. Yeah, she crawled she, in. Just oh, she did. Okay, yeah, <clears throat> which probably had its own issues, but right. I don't know. Um, but I, I think that was a good way of handling some of the the dice fudging too. Like, <coughs> like you know, I'm also not really like a dice fudger, but in this case, you're. You're talking about a. It sounds like what the game is doing, and what like a lot of OSR games do, is like we're going to roll on random tables to see shit happen, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And like s- sometimes th- it tells you like either roll or choose something fun. And mm-hmm. if you roll and it's not the right thing, then yeah, you choose something fun, and that just sounds like right. what yeah. You did. I mean, the the, the whole the, the example of killing a character early in a in a game session is one of the edge cases I've always talked about. Right. Uh, about dice fudging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've had that happen like more than once where it's like, <clears throat> this is a one shot. We all just sat down. It's 15 minutes into the game. I'm not going to kill a character because I, I only made five characters and I'm only got five <laughs> or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you get a pass. Right, yeah. So, all right. Thank you, Hive Mind. I appreciate mm-hmm. the email. Write in more often. But not about PPZA. Ooh, what, what was the <laughs> second second question? Has a game you ran or played oh. in caused you to change your opinion on mechanics or habits? Oh, absolutely. I mean, well, that's, that's why I run like tons of different games. I mean, right. like all mechanics have a certain mouthfeel of like mm-hmm. how you're supposed to play and how you're supposed to move down like that path. And the more games you read, the more games you play, like the more your opinions change and vary. Find new edge cases. Mm-hmm. You know, find yeah. out that uh, games made in other countries are very different than American games. Uh, and so everybody should try and read and run games from other countries. Because just the thought process is very right. different. Yeah, I, I definitely think like 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 you said, if uh, if you're going to have a superior game by making some tweaks, then obviously you make 
the tweets, right? I mean, we're not talking about you're the game designer and this is your game, and like, you know, if you're just fudging the thing, then and instead of fixing <laughs> the problems in the game, right. that's a different situation. <coughs> but um, yeah. All right. Thank you, Hive Mind. A horror story and not and how not to remove a player from Greg in Virginia Beach. <laughs> oh, so I this story is both funny and terrible. I get to read this one? <laughs> sure. Lucky me. Hey there, happy whackers and other assorted douche nozzles. I thought you might enjoy or find this story interesting. Apologies in advance if I ramble a bit. Maybe a little bit. That's not a jib email, is it? Uh, no, no, no. It's not that bad. It's, it's less than six. Yeah. <laughs> I play it's in a not weekly... Even two. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I play in a weekly D&D session with a good group of people. We've had some players come and go over the years for various reasons, but the same core group of guys have been playing together for a long time. This is a story about the first time we had to uninvite someone from the group. We play at Bill's house, mainly because he owns damn near every D&D book Wizard of the Coast have published in the last 15 years. You should also know that Bill is a functional alcoholic, although functional is being polite. Another, group <coughs> Tim, uh, another guy in the group, Tim, met a girl and got hitched. Tim's wife, Kat, is very clingy and couldn't let him out of the house unless she was with him. Wow, this already sounds like a bad sitcom. Yes. Right. Yep. Meaning, she tagged along to every D&D session. Kat is overall a good person, although very loud. The quieter the room is, the more she feels she needs to yell. Even though we had a full table, Bill was eager to invite Kat to join the group when she started showing up. This was Kat's first tabletop RPG experience, and even though we all tried to be welcoming and helpful to a new player, you'll see how things started to go downhill. Mm -hmm. We soon learned that Kat only cared about combat and couldn't care less about role-playing. She only played fighters, or played her character as a fighter, even if it was a different class, didn't engage in any role-play, refused to be diplomatic at all, and had the briefest of backstories just to explain why her only tactic was, I run into combat and stand in one spot attacking wildly until everything is dead. To make matters worse, if we were in combat and it wasn't Kat's turn, she would totally zone out. She'd put on headphones and listen to music. Oh, <laughs> shit! <laughs> or pull out her knitting and completely ignore the game. I have I thoughts on that, but that's cool. <laughs> and when combat was over, if we wanted to talk to NPCs, interrogate bad guys, etc., Kat would actually whine and complain about how she didn't want to do it and how boring it was. If the role-playing went on for too long, she would get up from the table and wander away like she had better things to do. <laughs> this went on for months. Bill took her aside and tried to talk to her. Tim tried to talk to her several times. But no matter what, Kat just wasn't interested in the game if she wasn't actively in combat. She wants to play a board game. That's yeah, what I'm hearing like, so yeah. far. Yeah, yeah. So this brings me to the incident. After one especially tough combat, Kat started yelling and screaming at another player, Ben, about how he played his character during that encounter. Ben was playing a healer and did what healers are supposed to do, but it wasn't good enough for Kat. Not only did she insult Ben's characters about how useless and poorly created the character was, wow. she also started cursing and insulting Ben, saying how bad of a player he was and how little she thought of his role-playing abilities. R-O-L-L playing abilities. Right. Uh, the board game. Right. Ben definitely wasn't going to let that slide. He pointed out everything that she had been doing wrong since joining the group. It turned into a yelling match with Cat turned up to 11. The session fell apart, oh, and we all left <laughs> feeling a bit weird about what had just happened. It's one louder, well, isn't it? Why not just have <laughs> ten, ten louder, and, louder and have ten be that, that loud? Well, this one goes to eleven. <laughs> <laughs> 
During the next week, we had a private conversation about what to do with Kat and whether she was really a good fit for the group. Bill said he would take charge and have an adult talk with her. That never happened. (laughs) (laughs) Here's a a good part. Yeah. (laughs) Bill was about 10 beers in when everyone showed up. 10 beers. Uh, Someone was was a little nervous. Right. Tim and Kat were the last two to arrive, and you can probably guess what happened next. Please tell us. In a drunken haze, Bill tried to explain that the group was just too big, and even though we gave it a good try, it just wasn't working out with Kat. Didn't say anything about her behavior or how the other players felt. It was an extremely uncomfortable 10 minutes. Ben left the room, and I sat there with my head down, too embarrassed to say anything. Someone should have stopped Bill, but no one did. Kat left in tears and dragged Tim with her. She started GMing her own game, and we haven't seen her or Tim since. Oh, well, everybody wins. Right. Things have cooled off a bit since except, then. Except for Bill's liver. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bill's liver always loses. Right. Things have cooled off a bit since then, although Kat refuses to play in Bill's game. Well, it sounded like she was uninvited. Uh-huh. And Ben will never play in a game with her again. Oh, Ben was the guy that was chewed out. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <coughs> Bill joined Kat's game, so their DM tried Kat's game just to check it out, and it seemed okay. Kat has been trying to lure the rest of us away from Bill's game, but no one is really interested. And that's where things stand now. Maybe there's a bit of wisdom to be learned from this story. But fuck all if I can figure it out. <laughs> Thanks for all that you do, Greg in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Oh now, man, best of intentions. I want to know: mm. Does Cat's game is Cat's game exclusively combat, or as from the GM's point of view, has she suddenly discovered that role playing actually as is can be interesting, an interesting thing? I don't know. Was it a lesson learned? I would love to know. So I'm going to be honest. Like I was reading this email, and like, and you know. I, I'm very curious, like, what is reality and what is, what is not reality here. Okay. <clears throat> Only because, like, from the beginning, there's a lot of, you know, we're the guys and this is our guys game. Oh, And right. then this girl shows up and she's very clingy and wouldn't let him out of the house unless he goes. But we tried to give it a... She's overall a good person, although very loud. We tried to give it a shot. And like I'm not saying you didn't oh, give you're it a shot. Between the lines a little I'm bit there. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I'm, I, see what you're I, I don't. I'm, I'm saying I don't read this and go, "This is reality." I go, "This is somebody's view of reality." Sure. And right. like maybe Cat is a horrible person. I mean, if she really yelled at Ben, like that's that's pretty horrible shit. That sucks. And yes, some some people should have like stood up and said some shit about that. Right. Maybe not um, after ten beers. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> this the following like, week. I mean, I have dated but. somebody like this before. Alexis. <laughs> 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 he does a terrible person, but like nobody wants to say it for whatever reason until yeah until shit blows until blows shit up. blows up yeah right yeah and um, it, it, yeah I mean it could be just from the beginning she was not the right fit for this group they had a good thing going right mm-hmm. with their mm-hmm. RPG stuff and they seem to have like their mode of like what balance of combat and not combat mm-hmm. and all that stuff that they right. wanted. And then she came in and kind of like upset mm-hmm. those balances, right? Well, and she was very vocal about it. That's she, what I'm. If she literally mm-hmm. put on headphones and listened to music while other people are doing stuff, yeah. that right there is like, all right, yeah, that's some disrespectful shit. Oh, yeah, sure, absolutely. Right? Now well, we had a, a not, not 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 this day. We had a similar situation, but the genders were reversed, where someone was playing um, World of Warcraft at the table when during combats when it wasn't their turn. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. So, <laughs> like, what? What? Uh, re- all right. 
<laughs> you know, it's been swell, but the swelling's gone down. Um, yeah, it, what? It's difficult to figure out when to talk to somebody, though. Like, oh well, she's new. I don't want to. I want to give her a chance. Well, I would start early. I, I mean, especially if, if if it's a brand new player. If the after mm-hmm. first, if you notice problems in the first session, send send them aside. I mean, obviously, you don't have ten beers. And then do, no. do in front of everyone else, you talk talk to them on. on now they said that they, they did that, but but what what was the? I would love to know what those conversations, how those conversations went. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because, I mean, especially if you're talking, a brand new player, they don't know what's going on yet. Yep. They don't have, and they certainly don't have the confidence to go around criticizing other players for how they're doing it. So, I there's something. There's something missing. There's a piece There's missing stuff going here. on here. And like, how long was this experience? Like, if Cass has been playing oh, with it, them yeah, for is it eight like, years, or is it, or is it three sessions? Right. Because right. you know, if she's a hardcore board game player, which I know many people who are, and she's like, oh, there's a board game where they're like they talky in between. Yeah. Cool. I know how to board game. Yeah. So learns all the board game rules, does her stuff. You know, I do my fighty stuff, and people heal me, and that's and how why we, are we, we waste, work together. Why are we wasting time talking now? Yeah. <laughs> Um, and if nobody talks to her about it, yeah. Okay, well, we're not playing the board game. Well, they'll let me know when the board game's happening. Right. So you know, that's I, what I, I think. Like. I think this email to me leaves me with more questions than answers. Like especially like how's Cat's game? Like I want to see what Cat's I want to know. Right? I want to <laughs> know because because the thing is maybe that maybe what happened is what happened, and right. that, and the, the fact that she got kicked out of this game made her. Had an epiphany and maybe is now a fabulous GM, or maybe she's just running like you know combat after war combat. games, yeah, right, which is fine. D and D module, old D and D module. The one comment Fight I will make has to do with uh, knitting. Mm-hmm. Like I know that some people like do that kind of stuff at the table, and for me personally, like I don't. I need to concentrate. I need to see what's going on. Like I want to see the faces and I want to see everybody interacting. Right. But there is definitely a set of folks I've gained with. Who are like my way of dealing with like either you know too much stamina or other stuff is to sit there and do something like mm-hmm. the fidget spinner type stuff or whatever. And some people love to like knit or whatever. And I'm not saying that's what Cat was doing here because I have no clue. Right. But like you know, I also know people who like they love role playing, love hanging out with people. But if they can also be productive, whatever that means. All right. Well, I it mean, makes it it's very satisfying for them. I, I mean before. Prior to Comic Con, Kimmy will sit here and like gold leaf stuff while we're playing. Right. That's not a, that, that, that's not a problem. I mean, and that's that's, but she's still engaged in the game. Yeah. It's not. Uh, oh, it's not my turn. All right. So, or or <laughs> like. Hey, it's your turn. What? Oh, okay. Yeah. Hold on. Hold on a second. <sighs> I'm in a raid. <laughs> Some yeah. people are are multitaskers. I, I've seen Kimmy do that like so many times on the show, where oh, yeah. she's like interacting with the chat room, and then she's like right on board with you guys. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I think the first time I tried to do like some streaming things, like I can do this, I can't do that. No. <laughs> like not at all. I have what's called a deficiency in attention, and so if I start doing that, I won't. I won't listen to anything. Yeah. So. Yeah, There's a game going on? What? Oh, holy cow! Holy <laughs> <laughs> moly! I tried to like pay attention to the chat, like not even right, but just like see what is happening in the chance once when I was uh, GMing. Right. Yeah, it didn't go well. <laughs> what I would love to do, like the best thing would be if we got a letter from every different person in this scenario just to see the different views <laughs> of what actually happened. I'm going to go out, out on a limb and guess that Greg in Virginia Beach. <laughs> 
that may not even be his real name, <laughs> and he may not have told these players that he these these actors in this story that that he was writing in, <laughs> and he would probably not want them to hear our response. <laughs> but yes, that but that's be. what I would want. Yes, I would want that. I want that too. Yeah, I would I, love to know. I, I want cat to streamer games. That's yeah, what I want. I want to see that. I'm very curious what because I mean that 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 can be like the, that that sort of come to Jesus moment where it's like oh yeah I, you know afterwards after the fact that the dude had ten beers and it was mm. the, the worst way to to kick someone out of the worst no it's probably no. not the we've it had is, email people email with worse ways yeah. I believe but I mean not a great way to to kick someone out of a game a- after a couple of days you have a little bit of self reflection like oh maybe I was going to be an asshole you know what I mean. You know, there is a hmm. board game that I want, I really want, but it's like a thousand bucks because, like, the mon- all of the miniatures are like you know three D printed to like two microns. They're all like custom and beautiful, uh, but all of the bad. There are no like there are only boss monsters. There are no like mm-hmm. minions or whatever. But it's one of those situations where kind of like in the zombie RPG where you have a community that you're playing. Mm. And you could absolutely have this board game and start, you know, while you're hunting. uh, Every time you go out, you're hunting a monster because those are the only resources that exist. Um, Because you wake up, like, with a rock and nothing else in this uh, maze of stone faces. There's no food. There's no water. Everything you have to get to survive comes from monsters. Oh, okay. Right. Um, that's a cool place to be in and to interact with that you could start to interact with while being very, like, game-heavy. Like, Oh, yeah, it would you be very, get, very, like, it's all combat and mechanics at first. But mm-hmm. you're a group of people with rocks. Who with are, rocks that have to kill monsters and, right. like, make clothes out of them and, mm. like, learn how to read and shit. Wow. I'm like, huh. You said like, a board game that costs $1,000. <laughs> I figured you were talking about Warhammer. <laughs> There's that. What's that? Yeah, it's easily Kingdom? No. Uh, Kingdom Death. Kingdom Death. That's, that's not called. it. Oh, is that it what is, it's called? Yeah, yeah, yeah I've yeah. heard of it. Yeah. yeah, it was like some crazy Kickstarter. Yeah, it was a crazy Kickstarter. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Greg in Virginia Beach, for the email. But yeah, you know what? If you can, if you're willing to ha- <laughs> let people know that you wrote this email, and we'd love to hear other perspectives. Love to hear cat's Love to hear cat's perspective. Love to hear Bill's perspective. I mean, it could be like two sentences. It'll probably be scrawled. On it was twelve beers. <laughs> on a beer <laughs> <laughs> Wait, <All right>. man. <laughs> twelve beers before that, or what I did later? All right, all right. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna end it. All right. Where's my song? There it is. Thank you for joining us for Season 25, Episode 13 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. This is Tappy. And Tom. And we'll see you next week, 7 p.m.-ish, 7.03 p.m. Pacific Time, Friday, uh, happyjacks.org slash live. Join us then. And thank you very much for coming again, Tom. I appreciate it. Come yeah. on. Off as you want, man. Thanks. And uh, we'll leave with a song. In vain, for the host will drink and gather on till no emails remain. Of the skillful game master, oh, guide us well with descending to avert a disaster. Whether fate or gurps or millions of apocalypse.
wrap. Drink on me lads and I will sing a song of heroes Of all the bravest Englishmen that sail across the sea Meeting all of England's foes in fearsome battle That by the grace of God England shall always be So raise your tankers high and sing along with me by the grace of God, England shall always be, always be, always be. That by the grace of God, England shall always be. The Spanish do invade our shores to vanquish England. A toast, me lads, to all the men who fight to keep her free. Driving back the Spanish horde with ships of fire. That by the grace of God, England shall always be.